0: Welcome to the Waking Up to Money podcast. It's called Waking Up to Money because of its double meaning. Uh, We record these podcasts every Wednesday morning when we think most people are waking up. And what we talk about is the idea of waking up to your relationship to money and how that impacts how you do pricing in your business. So we believe that if you can shift that relationship, you can price your products and services in a way that positively impacts your business. And the lives of your clients. We record these podcasts live so that we can invite guests to ask questions too. This means you'll hear about challenges and situations from people like you, and we ground the ideas and tactics we share in real-world situations. We hope you'll find these episodes a valuable resource as you try to work out what it means to price more powerfully and confidently. Our hope is by sharing these ideas will stop you getting in your own way of making the money and impact that you want to make in your business. Enjoy.
1: Builds and builds and builds. Mm-hmm. And then the other day I just made a point, I was sat down, I'm going to write a blog post. And uh, when I was doing it, I had quite a few sort of full stars, but a few different sort of thoughts came to me. I kind of rewrote one about sort of three times then had one and kind of published mm. it. But then I had kind of, you know, reawoken that little bit of my brain. So mm. then the next morning, I like, no, I'm just going to write. And I had a few sort of thoughts which had come out of the writing from the day before. But and then also just the habit, the not the habit, the practice, the my brain remembered how to do it. So I could just start kind of writing things and then on and on and on and on. So it's you know, that thing, just the more I do it, the easier it is. And so, don't do things like content calendar because one, I read why I wrote the day before, or the day afterwards. So there's, a, you know, some sort of thread in my mind at least.
0: Yeah. What speaks to me is there's the well, the the, the block I've had is the creative process because like a lot of time I would start with writing a blog post saying I need to have a blog post done by this mm. hour. Yeah. And how that really didn't help. Rather, <laughs> yeah. I, it felt too much pressure, and I needed to make it make sense. Well actually starting a process of just getting words on paper and then a lot of the time when i do that what i wanted to write at the beginning it doesn't end up the thing that i actually write but it feels a lot more satisfying yeah because the the right the right topic emerges or and the thing that i've had to deal with is nothing emerges Mm. and that's okay yeah (laughs) Mm. for those of you who've stumbled into this conversation (laughs) Waking up to writing. <laughs> waking up to writing. We're just, yeah, we're just talking about how our morning has started, and, and Ben was just sharing his his writing practice that um, he's kicked off. I'd be curious. Any of you here listening? Do you have a regular writing practice? Uh, please type into the chat. Say yay or nay or yes, and this is what I do, or no, I fucking hate it, <laughs> and this is why um it would be nice to get a uh, to to know that there's people out there i think we've got 12 of you here today it looks like at the moment um it usually builds up over the time of the webinar uh, so for those of you who are new to this or um uh, and if you're not i'm not going to say it anyway <laughs> this is a regular webinar that ben and i put together we call we've now called it waking up to money uh, and this is because Uh, a it's in the morning (laughs) and b i think the essence of what we're talking about when we're talking about pricing is really waking up to the things that really stop us from pricing well and so we're we're trying to host these regular conversations just to explore that idea of the deeper the deeper uh knowledge or, or awareness we need to have when we want to price well and and create therefore sustainable businesses that make us feel happy uh but we'd also love to hear your questions uh and your thoughts uh and and we invite you know people to come up live and and to share that uh and so if if there is uh, if you have a question um particularly on the topic today which is what if your clients knew that you are doing a pricing course is that okay <laughs> would you scare them off <laughs> uh so if it's anything around that topic uh you have a question or any question around pricing uh please post it either in the chat or there's an ask a question feature on crowdcast which really helps us um pick out the questions and also you can vote them up and down so if there's a question there that's already been posted that you find really interesting or you'd love to hear answered then you can just vote it up and then we'll invite if you want the person to asked the question can we vote in.
1: it down then Oh, we can vote it down. We can delete
0: it. We have full control. You know? Wow, the power. Exactly, exactly. We control the story. It's all about controlling the message. Uh, Dizzy has said she's been doing morning pages from the artist's way for many years. I don't I, I don't know what morning pages is. Do you know what morning pages is?
1: Carlos. I know, yes. I, I've
0: heard about it, but I don't actually know what it is.
1: Uh yes. Uh well, my simple understanding is basically taking I don't know a certain amount of time, I think it was done on time or on page pages, amount of pages, just to kind of write words. Uh but I may not be doing
0: it justice with that explanation. <laughs> Dizzy if you So unstructured that- writing rather <laughs> unstructured than Unstructured writing.
1: Just sort of writing something in particular. Okay. Cool. But, uh, gilly She's written a whole book on this and uh three pages there we three go three
0: pages okay all right so she uh, alex is, has tried to dabble but sustaining it is a challenge yes it is it, it will, in the end it is it's like ha- good habits hard to start easy
1: to quit <laughs> a literal <laughs> download there we go <laughs>
0: ah brilliant uh so in my words uh, brain vomit um cool well that was that a bit of a sidetrack there <laughs> Which I think, actually, we've been talking about the idea of writing and storytelling and how that could relate to pricing and money stories. Uh, And so watch this space. We are throwing around some ideas with a good friend, Marianne Powell, who's been doing some writing workshops for us in the community. So we were looking to see how to integrate that because there's something interesting there. But in the meantime, are we allowed... Is it okay for our clients to know that we're learning about pricing, Ben? And actually maybe starting off or I'll 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 propose two ways to do this. We could start off by saying why we think it's not a good idea or why we would might think it's not a good idea. And then maybe we can go into why we think it's a good idea. And of mm-hmm. course we've got vested interest because we're doing a pricing course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway we can convince you all to do the pricing course. <laughs> and so, yeah, of course that makes sense. Is is great for us. But uh we'd love to just explore this idea what stops us from really purposefully doing the work around learning about pricing. Uh, and like I said, if you have any questions that in terms of your own journey, while you're watching this around pricing and and things are getting your way, please pop them into the questions box so that we can then, if, if possible, help you or give you some pointers. So Ben, why, why would you be scared for people to, for your clients to know that you're doing a pricing course?
1: I would not be scared. No, that wasn't the question. Um, so I think, yeah, as you sort of alluded to, kind of un- unashamedly, I think the reason this thought came up is was thinking about marketing the course, thinking about marketing anything, really, mar- the marketing and selling of anything. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> you know, one of the most important things for other people who are considering to sort of buy the thing, do the thing, whatever it is that you might be offering, is that other people have done it. Um, and you know we had a really great cohort of people who did the first time. But I was remembering when we were talking to Becky, who had been on the f- the first cohort before she had um, before she joined the course. And in fact, we were doing a some you know a bit of a kind of money clinic type thing. I think is what this was called in the olden days. Uh, and I remember Becky kind of making reference to that as a sort of bit of a sort of sideline kind of joke or you know what if my clients kind of knew that I was here and we sort of spoke about it a little bit at the time but I kind of had that sort of thought then kind of percolate percolating um, kind of ever since And then I was thinking about it in the context of the pricing course for kind of everybody who went on the pricing course and you know kind of all the great sort of community and sort of learning that kind of happened with that but was then sort of thinking well maybe there is actually a little bit of a, um, a kind of an obstacle which is worth calling out here which is you know, maybe people have, and, you know, feel free to kind of agree or disagree and drop it into the comments, but maybe people have this sort of question, this sort of doubt, uh, or I'm not sure kind of best how to kind of categorize it, but this sort of feeling that somehow if I am getting better at pricing, that I'm winning and my clients are losing, maybe, because somehow I'm tricking them or I'm extracting more from them. Uh, And, um, you know, like I said, it's a a bit of a, it's a kind of question assumption. I'm not really sure how to kind of categorize it because Becky didn't go to that length to say that that's kind of what her feeling was, but she did kind of articulate this thing, which is, oh, what if my clients did know that I was here? And so I guess, yeah, the the kind of the, the thought, the question that I have come at is, you know, is the thing that's behind that, this kind of feeling somehow that if I price better, if I price more courageously, more confidently, price happier, as we talk about on the course. If I do all of those things, somehow my clients are losing a little bit because they're having to pay me a little bit more. And maybe that's why I wouldn't want them, I wouldn't want my clients to to know that I'm doing it because somehow they would then know that I was kind of learning about these things, learning some tools, learning some approaches, which was gonna mean that I was earning more. And if I was earning more, somehow they are they have less. Uh, and so I guess that was the kind of extrapolation in my mind as to maybe the kind of doubt, the fear that was uh, that that uh, Becky alluded to before she had done the course before, uh, and maybe then a question that other people would a uh, kind of doubt that other people would share. Nice. Well, I put a little poll
0: there actually, <laughs> I got it wrong the first time round. Isn't the first time I've miswritten something today. Um, Pricing well means I win, they lose, as in they being the clients. So uh, again, you know, just I'd love to get you to answer based on that, just the pure gut instinct to begin with. I know you conceptually, you, you can probably know what the answer should be in your heads. But if you were just going to think about this and thinking about your pricing, what would be your uh, gut feeling around um, what it meant to price well? um and also i just put a little poll here as well in terms of how much have you thought about pricing you know how intentional are you about your pricing and is it something you've been doing a lot just a little or you just really basically head in the sand rather not think about it because it's a bit too challenging um and it'd be give us a feel as well for for the the energy in the room and the the needs in the room really because we want to be guided more by your needs and what what would be a useful uh stuff to share with you um I I would say my gut feeling at the beginning when I was thinking about pricing, particularly, um, even when we were running a service business, there was this thing about um, there's an awkward feeling that uh, pricing more meant it would hurt them, and there's something around actually I remember saying if it didn't make people feel uncomfortable, then you were pricing too low, and I, and while in one hand intellectually that makes sense it didn't feel right it was like oh why do i want them to feel bad (laughs) and and so there's this thing then that kind of sort of stopped me from being a bit more free with thinking about price i don't know if that that's something that you've encountered or you've heard in your experiences ben
1: yeah, mean I think there's two things that come up when you're saying that. One is the kind of idea that I think how we relate to money. So you know, in our work and of course then in our life, which then manifests into a price. How we relate to that sort of defines a little bit how we relate to all of the things of our work and all of the things kind of all our life in a way. Uh, and that's a bit of a sort of lofty thing. But I think what you're talking about this kind of this freedom. I think that's the important thing, isn't it? To have a kind of freeness in the sort of relationship to it, a freeness in the relationship to kind of how we price, a freeness in the relationship in how we're interacting and working with our clients and the relationship that we have there. So that it's not all about the money. Because I think where where you were sort of, where you kind of alluding to asking the question behind, the, the the thought behind the poll a little bit, like, is this too complicated a thing to kind of get you, too, too big a thing to get your head around? I think where it feels that way for people it's because we're sort of elevating the importance of money too much in some respects and you know clearly that sounds like a weird thing to say because we're talking about money here but I think what we're talking about you know the other thing you started to reference which I think is actually really important is freeness yeah I mean using money using price as a weapon to kind of make your clients feel kind of weak and a bit beaten and a bit kind of sick in their stomach is clearly ultimately not really very good for, for anybody Um, And I think, you know, really our intent and what we kind of want to help people kind of enjoy the benefit really is that there is a bit more freeness to it, because if there is a bit more freeness to the relationship to the money, which kind of manifests in how we price, there's a bit more kind of freeness in the relationship to the client, a bit more of a symbiotic relationship with the client, you know, a bit more like, you know, I'm into, you know, I'm invested in your Good outcome, and you're invested in my good outcome. So this kind of feeling of kind of working together, and the more you get that feeling of working together with your clients, the more valuable you're going to be. And the kind of essence of everything that we're talking about is the more valuable that you are, the more opportunity there is then to share in that that value. But it's kind of you know you say again, whilst it is kind of weird in the context of talking about money and a and a pricing course, I, I think. The kind of realization I was having, as you were sort of talking about, that actually what we're really talking about is how you can um kind of reduce the importance of money, actually make money, make price feel less, less of important. Because when it when we put it up, it it's the most important thing or it's the hardest thing. We're kind of investing a huge amount in it. But actually, maybe if it's more we're focused on that that kind of the quality of the relationship that we have with our client the quality of the relationship that we have with our work that what we earn becomes a kind of happy happy byproduct of that health that the quality of that relationship we have a
0: question or a comment here from kate and she says uh, surely you want your client to be delighted they have found a solution to their problem and that's the value I assume you you agree wholeheartedly with that then. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And I I think, you know, exactly what you're saying, Kate, is that's kind of totally right. And what, you know, the more you are kind of not focused on that, um, you know, the less able you're going to be to provide the solution. And if you're kind of distracted, worried, kind of sort of about money, you're not really wholly invested in helping the clients solve their problem. Um, and if you're not really wholly invested in that, then you know the value of your work is less. So yeah, I think that sums it up very well, Kate. Thank you for that. So I want to push that a bit further now. So you, you found a solution
0: that delights your customer and thinks, oh yeah, there's value that there. I need that solved. Then there's putting a number to that value. So Kate, I'd be curious to hear from you how you think about that in terms of, okay um, you know, there is a problem that's worth solving here and the client really needs it solving. Uh then how do you put or what how have you thought about putting a number to that? Uh and maybe Ben, you can I don't know if you want to talk to that, because there's ultimately there's that that's the next step I feel.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's clearly the a uh, kind of a critical a critical step. And certainly for me, the way that I've always kind of uh, sort of worked with that and what we then talk about on the course is actually is helping your client kind of explore what the value of solving the problem is. Uh, and, you know, in in kind of easy situations, there is there's some sort of tangible outcome, some tangible return. Uh, like you know, you made reference to when you had a service business. Same, same with me. You have an agency, and there might be something kind of tangible you're working on. The client, the reason that the 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 problem that the client wants solving can be easily quantified. They want more customers. They want customers to spend more. They want customers to spend longer. They want customers to introduce other people. I don't know, all, all, all of these things, which are a bit more kind of quantifiable, a bit easier to to put a kind of an absolute kind of number on. And exploring really what the client's kind of motivation is, uh, is a kind of hugely important part of this whole kind of process of getting to the place of being able to understand what something is worth. Because even where there isn't a, a kind of quantifiable, a tangible thing, actually there is still value, which is why the client is buying. And so kind of helping them with kind of references, helping them with discussion, helping them with kind of exploration, start to kind of feel out what the kind of financial value of your service might be, even if it's qualitative, starts to point to what it is worth to the client, what solving the problem is worth to the client.
0: Kate has some interesting points. So I think this is an opportunity uh, rather than to just w- try and guess from your your words on the chat um, the real, you know, the essence of the context that you, you're working with. Would you like to join us, Kate? And maybe you can talk a bit more to the issue. The issue that you uh, hear is about having different prices for different clients and then what that means each time trying to find the number. So if you're up for that, please say that in the chat and we can um, bring you up to to have a little little bit of a discussion around it and see if we can offer some thoughts and ideas that are grounded in a reality rather than us just talking a bit too theoretically about this stuff. Mm. Um, So... let us know. In the meantime, um, it's interesting, you know, we talk about on the course, or the thing that springs to mind when, when we're talking about in what governs the number. Um, there's this idea of an anchor. I think you talk about, Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the anchors, in my mind, is the market rate. So when we were building a website, building websites for people, there was like, kind of this anchor in the ether. It wasn't even like nail down (laughs) case getting out of the run. (laughs) I love this. This is why it's so great. This this is live. You wouldn't have planned this. Pajamas. (laughs) Pajamas (laughs) Um, But um like as a web design agency I I'm thinking back now, the the kind of the invisible anchor was the day rate. The day rate of a developer. Or day rate of a designer. And that was the kind of the perception I think a lot of clients would come is they'd shopped around, they'd understood a the day rate or or and and they'd said, okay, they're kind of basing what how much we were worth based on that. Uh and so that that was a hindrance to us. Um and so and uh, so, you know, in terms of the freeness, we were f- less free because that was the thing that we were working with. Um so I'd be curious, and if anyone else out there who's had that similar kind of experience, how would you, what would you have told me, Ben, in those days? Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So you, you introduced the idea of kind of anchor, which we do sort of talk about, which is essentially the, the kind of first figure that a client or customer has in mind from which they consider everything else. Uh, and actually, you were sort of talking about it a little bit in the context of like a negative anchor the market rate because of course there's no such thing as a market rate we tell ourselves there is a thing such as a market rate like my competitors all charge this or if you want a website from a company like mine it costs that or if you want coaching from somebody like me it costs that but actually there is no market rate that is totally an illusion and a story that we tell ourselves Uh, and you know There's another thing which is kind of coming up is about controlling the comparisons a little bit. I think it is important to use things like an anchor. So if you're having an exploratory conversation with a customer or a client, you know, it is really helpful to frame that conversation with, you know, it could be between this and it could be between that um, kind of figures because it it kind of directs the conversation. And within that, there should be one of those figures, which is, You know, which is high, which is higher than you think it should be. And I think, Simpson, you made the point earlier about whether something, whether there should be discomfort. I don't think you should make the client uncomfortable, but actually, there should be something in what you're saying that maybe makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, because it means you are challenging yourself to talk about the value of what you do in a kind of immaterially different ways. And using these ideas of anchor, using these kind of um, tools around um, a range to be able to explore what something is worth with the client. And I know, and um, Kate will, once she's out of her running gear, uh, will kind of be able to sort of talk about this. But I think one of my kind of first thoughts when we can get into it is, you know, Kate's talking about the problem of negotiating afresh every time. At least that's how I understand it. And she can sort of tell me otherwise. I think, I think for me that actually, again, this is a mindset thing, that's an opportunity. I think the important thing is to have a consistent process a consistent way of getting to the price, but also then really important to accept the work that you do is worth different amounts to different people in almost every instance. And it's kind of right and okay to engage on that basis. Cool. Well, I've invited Kate on
0: screen now because she's back. So we'll, uh, we'll see if we can get her to just talk a bit more uh, to where she's at uh, and what... The the specific challenges are, um, I'm. When you were talking there, oh, we got Kate. Excellent, hey! I now I know which Kate it is. It's really yeah. hard to know.
2: i which... <laughs> <a> sweaty, <laughs> so. <Sorry>. No
0: worries. <laughs> I think there going to be some alignment with uh, with Ben here. I think you've got very similar mindsets around uh, uh, life, business, and work. But for the benefit of Ben, maybe share a little bit about the work you do and then specifically the types of clients you work with and the challenging challenges you're facing.
2: okay so so I work as a coach, uh, mainly executive, you know leadership um, and and so on, but I also do a lot of mindful leadership. So, you know, helping organizations become, you know, more mindful and also teaching mindfulness, you know, from, you know, from scratch. So it's really where, when it comes to the coaching, that's a lot more uh, straightforward, but particularly when it comes into, I guess, mindful design of organizations or of leadership, um, that's where it starts to get really kind of fuzzy. Um, And I think part of it is because it's, relatively new in terms of you know organizations and there's also there's a lot of people who have for example been a mindfulness trainer and want to get into organizations um and so they're prepared to you know pre- uh yeah basically do things for free you know um because you know and I totally get that it's the lost leader in order to actually you know get in there and start building you know their brand but what it does is it undermines the work that that people who have been involved in that area for you know for a long time have been um, uh, yeah the the skills and the experience that that we bring so it's it's, it's really it's really fuzzy um, and in terms of the the clients it, it depends if I'm working with individuals you know maybe an individual leader or if I'm working for a um, you know like a b corp or whether i'm working for a you know a major multinational and it's guesswork every time yeah mm.
1: yeah
0: over to you ben. <laughs> guesswork how can we make it less guesswork i assume is the question
1: yeah well thank you kate for coming and joining us in our sort of radio stroke webinar studio uh out of your running gear <clears throat> um,
2: it is- Jersey
1: drone on top. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's there's loads of really rich stuff in your question, and there's loads of different kind of aspects to it. One, yeah. you know, the the thing around everybody or lots of people in the space offering things for free to get in the door, and what to do about that. You know, like that probably warrants a whole radio show in its kind of own right. You know, m- my kind of feeling around that is. You know, this is all about you know money is a hugely important signal, right? Mm. And whenever a client or customer whatever is considering buying you, they're spending the whole time looking for signals. Mm. And they're signals that we either consciously are projecting or signals that we are blindly projecting. Mm. And money is a hugely important one, and so is free, right? And actually where a client, where we're a supplier, is offering something for free they're sending a quite a clear signal about value because whether we like it or not yeah you know we basically equate money with a yeah. measure of value yeah. uh, and i know from my own experience actually where we when i was running my last business where we shift from trying to charge not very much because we took the view which was it was better to get a relationship going that i was just to hiding to nothing basically we didn't actually get anywhere until I accidentally put the prices up by about 20 times on one conversation and that client bought straight away. And that's really what one of the key things which kind of got me thinking about this was actually being much more expensive, made it much easier for our client to buy what we were doing. So that is just kind of of one point. And the thing around that is if I had planned that scenario that I was in, in that one situation, I probably never would have done it. It was a bit of a slip of the tongue. And, but it was a really kind of fortuitous slip of the tongue because I was able to kind of see the the, the kind of benefit of doing it. So just on the on the point around um, the kind of free thing, I think there's a really important positioning to hold your line with that. And where, where a client is basically just super swayed by the idea of free, then maybe they don't really appreciate the value of what you're doing. And then maybe they're not going to be the right kind of client. Because once we have started with free, it's quite difficult to reframe that value in your in their mind. Um, and so one, one thing I would say, that's not to say that you don't use other things, like you do charge them. Some of the stuff that you do charge them, you do say there is a there is a cost, there is an investment in this because it's important. But you know, you can say if it doesn't work out for you, you can have the money back. Or it's kind of, you know, there are other ways of basically making it an easier purchase decision, of de-risking it. But never, you know, offering free. I think leave that to the masses and reinforce your position. Yeah. Uh, by yeah. by standing behind the expertise that you have. I appreciate that wasn't actually your question. That was just something that I kind of picked up on at the beginning.
2: Yeah, it, it wasn't really a question. There were more sort of observations.
1: Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, and so then the other thing you were saying is the kind of fuzziness you used the kind of word fuzzy a couple of times. I like the word yeah. fuzzy. That's good. Um, and so I, I guess you were talking about kind of B Corp, different kinds of clients and and what to do. Is, is the issue a little bit that you kind of you find it kind of problematic that there is that it is kind of being renegotiated every time? Or is the is the feeling that it's because it feels like guesswork?
2: I think it feels like guesswork and it's probably because it's it's quite sort of new the mm. way you know, that, that we're doing it. So, you know, we can do a, a fair amount of market research, but not a huge amount. So it is a bit of, you know, a sort of guesswork and, you know, and what's, you know, what sticks. And I think uh, having had experience in all these different types of organisations, I know that there are, you know, there are very different, you know, sort of budgets and and you know and it's coming back to what you're saying about you know their their level of risk Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's not only kind of working out the budget but about how risk averse you know
1: they are Uh, yeah so So these are really great things to explore with 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 your client so one of the things that we look at in the course are the questions that you can use to help understand what a client's motivation is and also their appetite so Mm -hmm. kind of motivation and appetite are the key things really which determine what the value of something is to someone and one of the really really effective questions that I've kind of found in my own work is asking client: well what's the cost of not doing this yeah yeah Yeah, right okay and so and and so using your skills Mm. using your abilities as a coach Mm. to kind of tease out from the client beforehand what you're starting to do is starting to understand their motivation. You're starting to understand what the value of the piece of work is to them, because I think it's really right that, you know, a public company, let's say, you know, kind of a so big public company, the value of your work around the kind of leadership piece and all of that is materially different to the value of your work to a B Corp, as is their ability to pay in some instances. Um, so all, all of these things that I think, Whilst it doesn't need to kind of turn it into a kind of huge, long drawn out kind of process, oftentimes we may only have an opportunity to have one conversation with a prospective client before we give them a proposal. What I would say is that it's critically important to talk to them about money in that instance. So, you know, using having a few questions that you can default to, which point to like like what is the cost of not doing this? Points to, you know, it invites them to start talking about the value of it. Equally, you can be asking them around budget. I know very few people say that they have a budget, but of course everybody does have an idea about budget. And one of the other ways of kind of teasing that out of people, if you say, do you have a budget for this? And they say, no, you can say to them, well, for organisations like yours, I've worked on projects which are anything between 100,000 and 20,000 or 120, whatever the kind of number is. And you will find out instantly because either they'll fall off their chair (laughs) Or they'll hang up or they will kind of look sort of blank and actually you're getting all of the signals about actually their appetite and their appreciation of their their kind of understanding of the value and i think you know even just with a with a sort of a sort of toolkit of things to explore with them just on that one session that one kind of setup call you will start to get a feeling for what the value of the work is to them so it isn't finger in the air and that actually is you know i don't know if you use that phrase but we we speak about a lot that on the course (laughs)
0: Yeah. Which is actually
1: what a lot of people do it It feels like guesswork, it feels like finger in the air, yeah, and what we're trying to help people do is move beyond guesswork by exploration by understanding, by starting to get the client to talk about money beforehand. You kind of move very quickly from a place of guessing to a place of the client giving you the information that you need, and then you're going back to them using the information that they've given you, so it's not guesswork, it's about how you draw out those little clues and guidance from the client in advance of giving them a cost.
2: Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. I'll let someone else take over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you very Kate, much, really Kate. That's
0: really Bye. awesome. I Bye. really appreciate your your input.
1: Um I, I, you can't. You're in now forever. Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'm not sure how you do get out of this. I think usually there's... Uh, uh, let me see. I was just uh, going
2: to go sw- switch. Ah, here, here we go. Line. I can do this. I'll do
0: it for you. Here we go. Boom. It's interesting there. Um, given that Kate works a lot in the mindfulness area, I-, I can't help but think this is about mindfully finding the value for people. Mm. And... I think what what sprang up to me as well here was this: there's a, there's the there's value, the perceived value of a client, and the ability to pay a certain amount of money. And when you were talking about there's a corporate client and uh, maybe a, a smaller or a B corp or a smaller client, for instance, and again not B corp, smaller client, the perceived value might be exactly the same, or if not even more mm-hmm. for the smaller client, it's just they don't have the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about money becoming secondary, it's like, if you, if for me, it's, like, it's disconnecting first the money from the value to a certain level. Because there's the value, and for me, is there's a the perceived value, there's an the appetite to do something. And then there's a question, okay, how much can you pay for this? Mm. And then that becomes much more of a, a, a two-way uh, conversation. It's like, I need to be paid this much in order to do my work, and you are able only to pay this much for that work, are we are, are we meant to be mm. i don't know if that if that's uh confused things more but that's what came up when you when you started talking about the value and the appetite and the and the perception of value there
1: mm. yeah and i think you know you're right the the kind of the um the perception of value maybe maybe similar uh, but a kind of perception of value is also a bit linked to what the client expects to get back um and so in that sense in some in some regard you know the perception of value for a kind of big company which is trying to instill some sort of mindful leadership in its executive team um you know it's kind of easier i think to get to a place where you're helping them understand the value of that you know i'm a company which has i don't know 500, a million, 500 million pounds worth of sales, whatever, I don't know, whatever it might be, like I'm a, a big company, you know, what's the value of your executive leadership team having a bit more kind of mindfulness in their approach, a, li- a little bit less reactivity, ability to kind of think a little bit more clearly. I think, you know, you can you could lead that client to a place where they understand the value of that in quite material ways that's potentially very, very large given the start point. Whereas if I'm a small business, I'm a one person or I'm me and a business partner. <clears throat> the perception of value, i.e., the feeling like the problem is solved feels very, very great. But what we're starting to uncover through our questions and our exploration is actually where that where that the value of the solution translates to a money amount in quite a different way, mm. if that also makes sense. No, that, that makes sense. I think this is all
0: part of trying to make it easier for our mm. clients to buy us, to give them some a level of certainty and for me this whole conversation this morning is how this idea of learning about how to price is less about a kind of a confrontation of like how can i equip myself with the the weapons in order to beat my client but how do we actually create more of a dialogue so there's a real clear mutual understanding so that we both come to the same conclusion about this is worth this much and that's why we're going to work together Mm -hmm. cool excellent um Dizzy asks, how much is our money (laughs) course?
1: Good question, Dizzy. Um, So if you pre register, you will find out in the coming weeks, uh, what the course is going to be. Um, So I encourage you get your name on the list. And you will be the first to find out uh, when the course is launched in a couple of weeks time. Um, And I do actually Dizzy did have a question as well, which I completely failed to answer about three weeks ago. Okay, uh, go for it. Well, I, I'm just going to speak to the whole uh, pricing
0: thing. It's like we are trying to put into practice what we teach. Mm-hmm. And um, the value of this course is, is really, you know, like I said, it's truly really getting an understanding of who it is we're going to have on the program and the kind of changes we're going to make. And we have a, we have an idea of what it is, but the more we know of who's interested in it, the more we can actually pitch it at the right level so that the people who get on board really commit to it. And so it's 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 we to be brutally honest, we're still trying to hone in on the right number because there's lots of ways that we can do this but at the same time this is part of what we're trying to tell you is like this isn't just okay uh, the price is this and and just get on board but we will give you if you do pre-register, we will let you know and then you you'll have a choice to say is that valuable to you and so- the purpose of these webinars is to help you understand actually this is the kind of stuff that you'll learn and the shifts you'll make. You said you wanted to have a. You had a question you wanted to answer from Dizzy.
1: Yeah, so Dizzy asked, had asked a question the other week, which we didn't didn't get to. And just a point there. So, uh, is it expensive? Joke. No, it's not expensive, but it's extremely valuable, which is a very <laughs> different thing. <laughs> um, anyway, I think Dizzy was asking before about the difference between selling into different countries into different markets. If I sell something North America, is it different to if I'm selling somebody to somebody here? Uh, and sort of sort of versions thereof. Um the the international markets, yes. So um the point around that, Dizzy is, is about the international markets. I think the, the thing that we're interested in, like I was also just talking about with Kate, is a process. And having a consistent process that you can use every time in every conversation that you have so that each client that you speak to is able to be invited and encouraged to pay what it's worth to them. So it's never to say, oh, I'm selling in North America, therefore it should cost this or I'm selling in Europe, therefore it should cost that. It's having this consistent approach so that maybe the person in North America is willing and able to pay X on this day and somebody in Europe is able to pay Y on that day. But it's not about where they're from. It's about how you've been able to kind of learn that before you give them the price, essentially.
0: Yes, exactly. And rather than yeah, rather than feel like you're reinventing the wheel every single time we hope that you know our wish is you'll be equipped with many more tools to like ben said to ask the right questions and get the right signals so that you can then be more confident and not be apologetic about the the price you want to charge awesome cool well again another emergent journey mm thank you very much kate for for prompting us with uh with your thoughts and uh yeah direction on uh how we could uh, sort of communicate more about you know the value of understanding how to price well any any final thoughts ben
1: um, the only final thought, which isn't really in response to um, the questions, is that the two things which kind of feel like are coming up a little bit. One, this thing around getting away from guesswork pricing, getting away from finger in the air pricing, uh, feels like it should be something we would should talk about more. But one of the other things which I know lots of people have been asking about is how to kind of price a new you know a new new high value offering that i might have a new high value program or, or some sort of product or service and i think one of the things that'd be really interesting is to and maybe we'll send out a little question to everybody tomorrow or something to find out next week would you rather we spoke about how to avoid guesswork finger in the air pricing or would you rather we spoke around how to kind of launch a new high value course product or service uh, and it would be great to get your feedback from that so that we can start talking to one of those points on, on next week's show
0: brilliant well what i'm going to do now is i'm just going to stick that as a poll quickly here for the 12 people who are still with us so what should we talk about next week and we either have uh, how to avoid guesswork in pricing or, how to launch a new high value product or service, or how to price is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how to price a new high. Boom, okay, I'll give you a minute now to answer that poll. <laughs> um, and then we'll know what we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be helpful. <laughs> cool, great. Well. Thank you, everyone, for your time uh, and for your questions and for the engagement. It's really, really appreciated. Um, As with all of these calls, we want to share, Oh, I I actually want Ben to share his knowledge and wisdom, but it's also a great opportunity for us to learn more about your challenges and the things that are getting in your way because then that will mean that we can make sure that the course addresses the most important things that are are coming up for you and we can focus on the value rather than just vomiting content at you. (laughs) (laughs) word vomit word vomit content content vomit awesome okay everyone you take care oh four votes already how to price a new high value product or service I think that's already a a clear signal from people listening here and uh, we'll check in again tomorrow to see if anyone who watches the recording uh, uh, influences this vote further yeah so uh, thank you very much Ben Thank you, thank you Carlos,
1: thank you thank you Dizzy, thank you everybody else who's hiding and, behind their
0: screens. And uh, see you uh, next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Waking Up to Money podcast. We hope you found it useful. If you're new to this podcast and this idea of waking up to money, then you may be interested in our Happy Pricing Manifesto and course go to our website at happypricing.co where you can download the manifesto and also get a copy of our Happy Pricing Canvas. The manifesto is our declaration of what we believe is important for pricing well and pricing happy. The canvas is a tool to help you make sense of the prices you currently set and what you can do to price more methodically and confidently. Twice a year, we also run our Happy Pricing course, Where you'll get the chance to learn more deeply the ideas we share on the podcast with the guidance and support of Ben and the cohort of like-minded peers who'll be doing the course with you. Please register to the course if you'd like to get alerted of when we're running it next. Go to the website again, happypricing.co forward slash course. Also, please remember to follow us on Spotify and to share this episode and links to the podcast. With any friends you think would find it useful. If you'd like to ask your questions live on our Waking Up to Money show, then register to our Crowdcast channel by going to ahappy.link forward slash waking up to money. See you soon.